it's our honor to have you. Yeah, thank you very yeah. much. Thank um, you. Yeah, we've uh, it's part two tonight. Mm-hmm. My cold evening. Yep. And this episode is brought to you by North Face. That's so, right. Here and there. Yeah. They, so we uh, we've us. already got a sponsorship. That's we're big time. I mean, uh, I didn't think it would happen this quick. Where'd you get honest. yours? They gave it to us, you know. Oh, that's right. I'm yeah. sorry. I was. Well, you the, wear these products I was on the at show. The outlet, outlet mall. <laughs> that's sponsorship. <laughs> oh, no, of course. You have yeah. a card. It's like the Chick Fil A black card. Yeah. Well, I never heard of that. No, it was a gold card. It was a gold, gold card. card. Yeah. yeah. It, I don't know if it did anything, but you felt good. Yeah. You had it. Oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah. That's, that's how. Well, well, you know, this week is Super Bowl week. That's right. That's right. And although your boy is no longer with your team, it is. Uh, <laughs> He is still in the Super Bowl. Yeah. At 150 years old. Yeah, I have to feel that I'm going to root for him. Uh, Oh, no Mahomes for you. No, I I have decided that if Brady decides he's going to play till 50, Mm -hmm. then I'm just going to be sick every year from here on out. Right. So I'm also just get on get on the right side of uh, Father Time, and I already have a Brady jersey. I'm actually going to fly fly the Patriots flag on my house. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually going to fly. Because you don't just change flags because your team's not playing. Who does that? Yeah, you don't do that. Yeah, it's called covenant. Yeah. You know? You've made an agreement with them. I've made an agreement. We cut and <laughs> did yeah. that thing. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. Just like the Irish. Just like the Irish. Absolutely. <laughs> I thought it'd be fun. You guys can help us with these, too. Yeah. We'll do a few prop bets. Okay. All right. So what I'm going to say is uh, one of these prop bets are just kind of things you can bet on. Like, uh first one would be... How long would the national anthem be? Over, under, okay? Over a minute and 50 seconds or under a minute and 50 seconds? Mm, who's saying it? If it's an R&B artist, it's going longer. Yeah. I, I, if I it's a rocker. Let me, uh, I can find this. If they have, are they doing it with a track or are they doing it live? National anthem, Super Bowl. I should have had this already. Oh, yeah. That's, see, I, you need to have this information. I just in Super Bowl. Super Bowl. <laughs> well, I can tell you how long that lasts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Jasmine Sullivan and Eric Church. It's a combo. Oh, it's a combo. He, oh, it's yeah. going over. It's a combo. It's, yeah, it's okay, going over. It's going over. Yeah. It's going over. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, the uh, was that you or me? I think that was, oh, no, yeah, that's, that's my wife. I'm okay. sorry. <laughs> Will the coin land on heads or tails? What do you think? Heads? 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 Okay. Okay. Oh, All that's, right. that's a wager. All right. Dan, let's talk later. Okay. About what we're going to go on. What now. will the first commercial be of the Super Bowl? Uh, okay, after the game has started. After the game has started. Uh, after I, kickoff. Who? First commercial. Coca-Cola? Dico. Dico. Well, it doesn't matter. State Farm? Okay, wow. yeah, they I'm might because they got Mahomes in there. Um, oh, that's good, good. I, I'm going Lexus. Lex? Oh. Yeah, I think Lexus is going to. Okay. Yeah, I think Lexus is going to do it. Okay. Who's going to have the first turnover? Brady pick is what I'm going with. Um, yeah, I think you're right yeah. on that. Yeah, I think Brady gets uh, a little, little ahead of himself. Okay, okay. And uh, last one. Yeah. Will either team score in the last two minutes of the half? Two, uh, two minutes of the half? Yes, absolutely. absolutely. These are the two teams that yeah. do that. Okay. Yeah. Those are some. Oh, I'll, one more. One more. Who's got the first penalty, and what will it be? Um, first penalty will be uh, on the kickoff. Yeah, it'd probably be uh, blocking in <laughs> the back. Illegal block in the back. Illegal block in the back on the kickoff. Yeah, yeah. I say we start yeah. the game off and it just kind of ruins the whole rest yeah. of the game. Right. Yeah. Like having a three-zero Super Bowl. Yeah. It could be. Yeah. That's it. Something like that. Okay. Well, that's fun. That's fun. Well, What's that? Yeah. Am I writing it down? Yeah. No, I, I got right. it all up here. It's on video. It's on. <laughs> Order <laughs> the DVD. <laughs> <laughs> DVD. Hey, why don't you open this up in prayer? I will. I will. Okay. It's good for all. It's so glad to see all y'all tonight, all around here and out there. Hello. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for what we get to um, talk about tonight, which is your word and your, your, the hope that we have in you and uh, the, the challenge that comes with, with this. Thank you that you love us so much. You care for us. Um, and God, we just ask for a blessing on this conversation tonight. Uh, may you reveal yourself. We know that you're here in this, in this place with us now. We thank you and we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're continuing to talk about our three traits of uh, being a disciple, the mm-hmm. learner, lover, leader. And uh, we talked about you never outgrow 
being a learner, love leader. That's just, you just, I, I really believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm in my 60s, and sometimes I think, well, you know, you need to retire. I think I would only need to retire if, one, if I stunk at what I do, uh, two, if I stop learning. Uh, you know, I think you just got to constantly be learning and allow some of your presuppositions to be challenged and, and then uh, develop new ways of uh, uh, learning about God. Mm-hmm. So we said that a learner is somebody who's intentional, receptive, and engaging the life challenge, uh, a life-changing challenge into Christ-likeness. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're learning for. Um, I, I, I love the way that it says it in Matthew 11. Jesus talks about this. I think this is really important. And some of us have been doing church for a while, but I... Let me read this uh, out of Matthew 11. He, he said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. We're familiar with that. Uh, but I really like the way that it runs in the, uh, reads in the King James Version. And you don't KGB know, in the house. KGB in the house. That is from now on, whenever King James is mentioned, it's K, K, KBG. KBG. Oh, I K, messed it up. Did you? I said KGB, like Dwight Schrute. Oh, KGB. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah, after you get yeah. slapped after in the face. Get, yeah. He's right. <laughs> He's right. Yeah, yeah. No, so uh, yeah. we'll have to do it again. King James Version. KB, KBG in the house. Okay, that's it. So what I love about that. <laughs> Say it again. Dang it. We, <laughs> You know what? See, I thought I, we practiced this. That's the sad yeah, thing. and yeah, I thought you were supposed to be cool. I mean, you're saying things like juicy and all that <laughs> stuff, and I, I thought I was out of touch. But yeah. here's what I like about this: getting back to the Bible <laughs> in study is uh, he says, "Learn of me," and in the King James version, I think that's a better. I, I looked at the different translations, but I think that one can, we can go with that safely, and it is because it's not the acquisition of knowledge. He says, learn of me. He doesn't just say, learn from me, though there is a learning from aspect to it. But it's not just teacher-student, but it's being transformed. in. So he's saying, and also he says, learn of me, which means that the subject matter has something to do with personhood. So we're not learning to be moral. We're not learning to be right. We're not learning for intellectual pro- uh, property. We are learning of him, meaning that it, it is a learning for personhood. And the specific personhood is not rediscovering ourselves, but rediscovering who he is. Mm-hmm. So um, so I, I like that. I, th- I thought that was a really powerful thing that, that Jesus wants us to learn. So it's all about preparing ourselves to f- fulfill our God-given purpose. So why did we ask you to learn about my little buddy, Thor? Um, people out there, you guys watch the movie? Did you guys watch, anybody watch the movie? Okay. Okay. Um, uh, let me ask you the first question from the movie, and if you're online, you can feel free to answer as well. Mm-hmm. If, if you thought it was silly to watch the movie, um, I think you may be like Elizabeth. By the time you got to the end of the movie, you realized, oh, my goodness, this is almost a direct correlation with the life of the Apostle Paul. Um, so there was a lot to learn about it. So let me ask you guys who, who did a little bit of the homework on this. Um, uh, okay, okay, right. So let me ask you this. Explain to me at what point um, did you realize that Thor really needed to learn something before he could go on? We know his pursuit was to become the king, but what was it that you learned from the movie? When was it that you saw, like, wow, this character really needs to grow up or learn? Anybody remember? Two minutes into the movie. And would that be when he is walking down the center aisle, throwing his hammer up in the air and all that other stuff? Yeah, yeah, Um yeah. Anybody else? Was there another another part where you where you saw Thor? Like, wow! When you listen to his attitude, you could see that this guy needs to go into learning. I think it was respect to his father. He was just talking to his father when he. Yeah. Said, You're done. Basically, you're not going to be king. Yeah. And uh, he's, he's, he's adamant that. Yeah. You know, going against the obedience of his father. Yeah, and and I would say this that. Um, 
Thor's pursuit to be king, if he does not become a learner, he's not going to become a king, he's going to become a tyrant. And that usually happens with any position of authority that we are open to, to receive from God if we are not willing to be a learner. Pastors can be tyrants. I think maybe a lot of churches, a lot of our churches' experience have been like that. Um, dads can be tyrants. Bosses can be tyrants. Um, moms can be tyrants. I mean, I, I'm just imagining that my mom wasn't a tyrant, but uh, whenever we're not open, we're, whatever uh, power we seek in our lives, and there's nothing wrong with being a person of authority or in authority, but if we aspire and achieve that authority without the process of learning, it always becomes corrupted, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, um, I got some of the answers in from online too. Yeah, what are they? Um, D said uh, when he winks at his mom. Remember that part? Okay, yeah. Yeah, and then when he um, cries while pulling out the hammer in the rain. Remember when he gets in the right? Yeah, in a little bubble. Yeah. Did you guys yank it out? Can't did, do it. Did you guys like the moment at the end of the movie with him when he's walking with his father? At the very end, didn't you feel like we had a whole different kind of person? Uh, that he had gone through this process. Um, and you remember his, his brashness in going to fight the ice people? I'm not frost, sure. What, frost giants? Frost giants, yeah. The frost giants. Didn't listen. See, when you're unteachable, you, you can't submit to authority. And so there was no authority that could contain his ego. And so that's why... Um, learning is such an important thing because for all of us, our egos will get in the way. Now, l- let me ask you guys another question. Um, was there any part of that in Thor that you found in yourself? Is there any area of your life that you would say that you're above teachability for? You know, that, hey, don't talk to me about this. Or um, have you ever been in that place where you, you thought you were the resident expert on something and, you know, do you just, uh, no, never had that? Uh, yeah, yeah, thank you, Dan. Dan did, uh, Kathy didn't. No, no, no. And I believe that about Kathy and I believe that about Dan. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so we, we got this incredible thing about Thor. But let's, let's, um, uh, Let's look at his biblical counterpart. Right. Will, you, will you read to yes, us at a chapter 9 of the book of Acts? Yes. It says, Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Okay. I mean, this is the frost giant situation all over again. He decides that he's going to get on his horse and he's going to ride and he's going to go after them because he's, he's using his proud perception of the will of God and his education and uh, his perception of what is right and wrong becomes his saddle. Okay, it becomes a saddle on his high horse. And he uses that. He uses his training in the Torah, his discipline and influence as a Pharisee to stomp out the work of Christ, which is the way. So he's, he's riding on his high horse, breeding murderous threats against people because of his unchanged perception. So, um, what does it mean to be a learner? Something has to change in your heart. Um, I think it, you have to change how you see yourself. I think how you see events. I think how you interact with others, um, you've got to be willing to put it all out there. And we can't leave anything untouched. We've got to allow God to just speak into every aspect of our life. Mm-hmm. But, but Paul comes in there with his, with his saddle of education and being a Pharisee and even being faithful, being Jewish. And he says, this gives me a right to not be teachable on this issue. I am not open to this issue. 
okay? And so just like Thor, he has to be challenged. He has to have a moment where he gets knocked off his high horse. Mm -hmm. Anybody remember when that took place for Thor? Okay. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, so that would be it. Like yeah. Simon said, and we, we have to repeat everything that you guys say so that people out in uh, Wonder World, uh, Wonder World, Wonder Vision can um, hear what we're talking about. So, uh, yes, so he had to, he had to fall low. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had, he had to be brought low, and the, and the pride had to be broken in him. And and like you said, that's uh, when his father had to banish him, and um, all of his powers are taken from. Him. That's that's a pretty big deal, you know. Yeah, not his muscles, but his powers. No, no, his muscles remained intact, um, and Very they seemed to still, intact. even though they might not have been good enough for Asgard, they were still enough to uh, become a temptress to a. Earth woman, Oof. so um, you know, just so, you know, so there, there was still a little bit of that there, you know. Okay, uh, thank you so much for bringing that up. Couldn't okay. let it go. Yeah, yeah couldn't let it go. <laughs> so, in my mind. So Paul's high perched is the Torah, being Jewish, being a Pharisee. Um, what else can a high perch be made out of? If we're going to ride on our high horse, what else can it be made out of? Anybody else have a high horse that have been on a high horse or ever, uh, you know, have a saddle that you ride on that it perches you? So what, what are some of those perches? Position. Position. Position yeah. Absolutely. A really big one. You know, parents do it all the time. Hey, I'm your dad. Shut up. Now, there are some times you may have to say that. You know, I'm not removing that. But, but that can't be the default answer. It can't always be because I told you so or because I'm in charge. I mean, if, if that was the case, then I don't see the incarnation happening. Mm. I would have just seen that part two of the Bible would have been uh, another reprinting of the Ten Commandments and God saying at the bottom of it, I told you so because I'm in charge. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a point. Um, so position's another one. I'll tell you another one that I think is moral high ground. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when I'm, I am most teachable when I have just sinned. Um, Now, shall we sin so that grace may abound? No, (laughs) but uh, if I, it's funny, when I go about three to four weeks without a really good uh, mortal sin in Catholic terms, if I haven't had a real mortal sin you know, something really a heavy duty, I start to get uh, self-righteous. You know, people will come up to me and tell me something about um, what so-and-so did wrong. I'll be like, well, they're idiots. They need to just blah, blah, blah. And I'll just like rant about, they need to read their Bible. They need to pray more. And then I'll, then, you know, later on that day, usually I'll, I'll commit my mortal sin. And then I'll be like, oh, give them a break, man. You who are spiritual, restore such a one with a spirit of meekness and gentleness, as the Apostle Paul said, you know? Um, So uh, I think sometimes we get on the high perch of uh, moral high ground. You know, it's okay. I I, I can be all against this issue, and and Christians are known for this. We can have a moral high ground on abortion and uh, or or maybe on homosexuality, but but we're, we're divorcing like monkeys. You know what I mean? And it's like, okay, where's our moral high ground? Matter of fact, just a little side note, that's one of the best arguments that the homosexual community, and nothing nothing against them, but they're like, wait a minute, you guys talk about the sanctity of marriage. You guys, uh, the divorce rate in the Christian church is terrible. You yeah. don't talk to us about sanctity of marriage. Yeah. Get off your high horse. Yeah. 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 So, um, <laughs> Get off uh, so, so, so uh, yeah, I think uh, social status is another one. I think uh, I think people with if the more wealth or possession that you have, you may think you have a you know a higher horse to uh, ride on, you know. Ability could be another one. Your ability. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That yep. you have to you know. Yep. I could take that. I could 
he might be able to do that, but I can still take him. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I've never had that experience. Nope, I've never. never had that experience. <laughs> there was never anybody I could take. <laughs> I tell you this, that the more entrenched, the more unteachable, the more stubborn, the higher cost you're going to pay in life. That's just it. it it's, you're just going to run into a bigger wall. And, and it happens. And for Thor... Like we said, in order to, uh, for him to become king, he has to become a learner. Otherwise, his dad's going to let him become a tyrant. And the world doesn't need more tyrants. So, um, I, I, I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. So we go on our, our study with the book of Acts and with Paul. Will you read our next? Uh, this yeah. is really important. Acts 9.3 is where we're at. As Saul was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Okay. So, in order to become a learner, it requires teachability. Okay, so God's got to get him into a place where he's teachable. He needs to become porous. What do we know about sponges? How do, how do you get something into a sponge? What is some, one of the steps that you may have to take? Yes, you may have to squeeze something out of it to get something to come back into it. So you may even have to squeeze air out of it. That's why if, you, if it's a dry one, you put it on some water, you press it down, and the, the vacating of the air all of a sudden creates a suction that will absorb it all in. So you have to become porous. But if you're not teachable, you're not willing to allow an event to squeeze you and let something come out of you. Uh, the first flood was like that. I mean, you were here for oh, all for that. All of us. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was I was not teachable. I was I was just angry. Um and cuz it had knocked me off my high horse. It wasn't too high of a horse, but it was a horse nonetheless. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, it was a, you know, shoot low. With they're, a little Shetland ponies. Yeah, Shetland ponies. <laughs> shoot low. They're riding Shetland ponies. Um <laughs> <laughs> That's actually the name of a book, you know. Uh, Gene Shepard, who wrote um, A Christmas Story, that's one of the books that he wrote. Um, he, he wrote another one that says, uh, Elvis is dead and I'm not feeling so good either. Uh, that's, that was the sequel. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, wow. th th those are good books. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> sounds like it. So, so you got to be willing to get squeezed, but a, a lot of us just don't want that squeezing process where it just squeezes you out. And I remember in the first flood, we literally got squeezed out. You know, um, yeah. it was like I didn't know what to do. I didn't didn't know if I should be angry, didn't know who to blame. You know, it was kind of like I'm looking to sue somebody. I'm looking to, you know, go after somebody. And all those things are just providing nothing. Mm -hmm. And it's like it just this, then the second flood, it was like, OK, squeeze even more. And now I was, you know, embarrassed and everything. And it's like, by the time the third flood came around, though, we were a good dry, wrung out sponge. And we just soaked up, yeah. you know. And it, it just happened totally differently. But the other two experiences. But if you can just handle that, that squeeze, that's the really tough part of it. it. You can't save yourself and avoid the squeeze at the same time. I wish you could. I, you can't always save face and and avoid the squeeze. You know, you want to be able to learn and save face. I I just don't know if that's totally uh, totally possible. Mm -hmm. You know, um, also you got to avoid the old dog mentality. And then um, I loved it where Paul gets knocked off his high horse. I mean, literally gets knocked off his high horse. The origin of that phrase "high horse" is actually a medieval one. Um, whenever a commander or a general, uh, it, it originated uh, around the Romans, whenever they rode into town, they would always put them on the highest mount, that nobody riding back into town was allowed to be on a steed or, or a horse or anything that was higher than the commander, and so that he would have the point of view of looking down on everybody when he came in, that he would be the highest uh, perched individual. And so um, you can see how, and, and just thinking about this, maybe somebody here is going through this, that whether a, a moral failure, 
a financial failure, a relationship failure, doesn't just have to be a failure. It can be a time when you are, your high horse perspective knocks you to the ground and you are now in a learning moment. You know, um, I remember, and I don't mean to r ramble, but um, I've done a lot of learning in my time and um, because I've done a lot of the other mistakes, but I remember going through my divorce and that was a really hard time. But I had to come to a conclusion that uh, in order for it not to happen again, I could not be the same person in the second marriage. No matter what her responsibility was, it didn't matter. Um, I just realized that I will either just be a, a statistic going into a second marriage and having an 80% failure rate, or I got to allow myself to be wrung out, allow myself to be acquainted with the dirt on the ground on my back mm -hmm. so that I could learn how to uh, succeed at marriage. And um, unfortunately, when we blame other people for our failures, you know, uh, maybe the ex-spouse, it was not my fault or whatever, you know, we, we go through then we just set ourselves up not to learn. Or if we're looking for the right person, well, if he was the wrong person, I needed to find the right person. It was like, okay, that's totally being unteachable. That was, that first of all, was making the assumption that I didn't bring something in that corrupted the marriage. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why you won't hear me, you know, get loud about how, you know, whatever my ex-wife might have done, I, I'm just, it's not about her. It's about what did I bring to the table that caused the marriage to fail? And was I no longer looking to be, find the right person? Was I going to become the right kind of person? And it took me uh, to get knocked off my horse. I mean, come on. Who cheats or who leaves or who, who doesn't want to be married to Paul Rienzo for crying out loud? I mean... Look at this. I mean, where are my glasses? Do I got my glasses? Oh, I, I got my Wayfarers in there. They, wow. I look good with them on. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And you put my mask on up to here, my Wayfarers on, I look like anybody. I, I mean, so wherever hair. you want I to mean, imagine. I'm yeah. in the air? I mean, yeah. it's like, no, no. What, what I found out um, is that I was not the right person. I was not the right person. And it uh, was not her fault. And so I had to decide whether or not I was going to be porous and I was going to allow myself to be, be squeezed and emptied so that I could absorb the destiny of God for my life. So, and I think in America, we hate the squeeze. We really do. We, we fear the squeeze. Um, and we resist the squeeze. So I, it's, it's a really big, big thing. Uh, anybody, you see any places where Thor tries to resist the squeeze? where he tries to wiggle his way out, where he is, you just see that he's going to try to blame somebody else for his lack of, of uh, success. Anybody remember in the, in the movie? Who's getting in Thor's way? Not Loki so much. I don't think Loki's in the way. I think Thor's in Loki's way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, I think his dad's in his way. You know, and... Could you imagine what it would be like to be an individual? And maybe we've all been there. Is that we want to succeed. There's nobody here who doesn't want it. There's nobody here that wants to, uh, I mean, everybody here wants to have a great marriage. Everybody here wants to have a great life. Could you imagine that the one person that's in your way is God himself? Hmm. I mean, could you imagine? I mean, we blame the devil for just about everything. What if it's God? What if it's, what if it's God? And, you know, it's, I think about the flood. Um, I know it's a meteorological event, but it was a, it had spiritual significance. And I didn't see the devil in it. I, not, I've never blamed the devil for the flooding. Um, I saw God in it, at least as it pertained to my life. I needed to be knocked off my high horse. Even when I look at my back, you know, uh, people say, well, the devil is just, you know, we're binding the devil. I'm like, well, I appreciate that. Keep on binding him and rebuking the devil. That's great. But we might find out it's not his hands that are wrapped around my neck. It may be God's. You say, well, how? You mean God would hurt you? The scripture says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Remember the time, and I'm, I've gone off, really gone off the notes here. Yeah. But you remember, um, God sends Moses 
And I know Tim's going to know exactly where this is. But, but God sends Moses to go back into Egypt and to deliver his people. So he's got his wife and his kids all packed up and, and Aaron's there. And, and they all start kind of heading back to Egypt to, to do the God mission. Okay. Tim, do you remember what happens on the way? Yeah. It's pretty obscure. Maybe I, you know. Well, I, I, I'll, I'll refresh your memory. Um, he has not circumcised his children the way God told him to do it. So God sends an via an angel, takes Moses's, Moses and pins him to the ground. And everything in the scripture tell us that God is going to kill him. Okay, this isn't made up. The text says that God, oh, I'm going to kill you. And it's like, what? God's going to kill Moses before (laughs) Pharaoh can? It's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And and, uh, Zipporah uh, runs over, grabs a knife, and circumcises the boys. Um, And you think, wow, that is crazy. I can't believe God would do that. It's like, you know, faithful to the wounds of a friend. If you're living a life in error, if you're living a life that even brings you to success, but it will destroy you to succeed, God will, be, will allow something to happen into your life to bring you to the ground. Why? Because he loves you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always believed, and I do to this day, and I've got, I see I've got some friends out there on, on Facebook that are listening to us, that if I ever was a pastor of a mega church, I probably would not be the man that I am today. Um, I would have probably been corrupted. Uh, I don't think I could have handled that kind of success as a younger man. Um, I, you know, I just, I now know that I am exactly where I need to be. And because, um, could I preach to more people? Yeah, I could. Would I enjoy it? I probably would. But it is possible that it could corrupt me. And God loves me so much that he just kind of keeps his hand and says, yep, son, um, I, I need to keep you, I need to keep you close to the ground because every time you get up, you put a crown on your head that I haven't given you, you know? So <laughs> I love, and you say, wow, God's tough. And it's like, well, you know, he whom the Lord loves, he chastises. If he didn't do it to me, it'd mean he didn't care. Mm-hmm. You know, have you ever seen a kid in a store that just kind of goes crazy and running a tantrum and cussing out their mom or something like that and kicking and knocking things over? And you walk right by them and it's like, and what do you do? You whisper to your spouse or like, you know, I would have beat that kid to an inch of his life, you know? <laughs> um, because it's not your kid, you can't do that. But God loves us so much that sometimes, uh, that's why I don't think Humpty Dumpty fell. I believe he was pushed. Um, and wow, so <laughs> yeah, good. so good, so good. <laughs> Write that down, tweet that out. He was pushed. <laughs> oh, that's a bumper sticker, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, <laughs> all right, so let's take a look at um, but divine culture looks at learning differently. Um, one of my favorite, my favorite, favorite proverbs in the whole Bible. Uh, It comes to us from Proverbs 3, starting in verse 5, and then jumping all over the place in that chapter. But Ricky, read it out to us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. Wow, Hmm. wow. So it it runs a parallel concept, and that is blessed is the man who finds wisdom and gains understanding. And it runs it in a parallel form with the idea that um, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or his reproof. And so that it's making that these two ideas are, are synonymous. Um, they're linked together. Blessing, finding wisdom, being a man against understanding is a man who's willing to be reproved 
and um, and is willing to be corrected. Mm-hmm. So and not leaning to your own understanding. That is or wise in your own eyes. Oh mm-hmm. boy. Maybe I I kind of feel like this is a family home video, you know, not the movie <laughs> of Thor. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think we need to learn to value the moment of emptiness. Uh, valuing the potential of the moment of not knowing what to do. And that's exactly where Paul is at this particular moment. He doesn't know what to do. It's kind of like where Thor is when the big mechanical monster's destroying the city, little town, and he has to decide what? It's me that has to die. Mm-hmm. It's me. And, and if you're in a marriage, if you're in a marriage and you think your spouse needs to change, I'm willing to bet the answer to the change that you think they need to make is, I'm the one that needs to die mm-hmm. in it most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, we need to value that moment when we just don't know what to do. And we as Americans, we loathe that moment. We always want to look strong. We always look like we got to have the answer. Or Paul, what's our five-year vision statement? You know, I'm like, I don't know. What, what's the vision statement for a church that floods every other year? You know, I mean, tell me, Tony Robbins. You know, what's what I do? You know, what's my next step? You know, Max Lucado and, or and John Maxwell. I don't know. What do you do? Sometimes it's okay to just say, I don't know, um, but I'll let the Lord teach me. Mm-hmm. I will not lean into my own understanding, um, but in all my ways, I'll acknowledge him, and he'll straighten everything up. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So um, there's something precious and powerful about that moment of humility in your life. When you're empty, has anybody else ever had that moment where you, yeah, where you were just kind of like stripped of everything, you were down to nothing, and you had an odd feeling that this is exactly where I need to be. And this might, for me, it was like, this might be the most powerful position I've ever been in my life. Uh, with my hurt back, you know, I, it is, I have never felt more powerful as an individual spiritually and emotionally and my ability to interact with my culture than I have from the weakness of my injury when I just didn't think I had nothing else to offer the world because I couldn't bench press 100 pounds, you know? So, mm-hmm. um... So in that moment, we need to realize that it, it can be packed with potential. So I want you to listen to what goes on with the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 9, verse, verse 5. Ricky? And he, Paul, laying on the ground, said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and it will be told to you what you must do. The men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and threw, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Okay. Um, isn't it interesting that uh, Paul's uh, first interaction from the ground is a question? That's a, good, that's a good way to respond when you've gotten knocked off your horse. <laughs> and... Uh, that, you know, instead of having an answer, I, I thought, if you knocked me off a horse, I'd I had some choice words for you, mm-hmm. you know, but Paul immediately from this position of, of humility, uh, immediately says, okay, I'm open to find out who you are. Now, here's the thing. And, and I, and, um, Tim can back me up on this and I, and the reason why I keep referring to Tim is Tim, you were a pastor for how many years? 25. 25. Wow. Good. I'm good stuff there. So, um, uh, he says, who are you, Lord? What we don't know in the Greek language, we would have known this if it was Hebrew, but we don't know it in the Greek language, is if this word Lord should be all capitals or not, referring to the Tetragameron or the name Yahweh. So it is very possible, the Greek language does not give us that distinction, but it is very possible that Paul is now, this is a lordship statement. Who are you, Lord? And so that it's, it's a statement of submission, 
not just a statement, a salutation to somebody who just did something to you that, you know, it's not, it can be translated the word sir in English, but um, it also could be that he's using a word that just doesn't translate well out of the Greek, that he is already making a statement of submission uh, to the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord of Lords. It is possible. Mm. We do know that from his behavior from this point forward, he at least comes to that conclusion by the end of the story. Okay? Yeah. Uh, we might just find that on the end of the, when you're lying on the ground, that may be the best place for you to ask the right question. And he's asking the right question. Sometimes we could ask God gazillion questions, but it's not until we're flat on our backs that he finally gets us around to asking the right question and the one that he really wants to answer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, so he, he says, who are you, Lord? And did you, did you finish reading that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so they lead him blind. Now, I want you to see that momentary blindness uh, represents the humility of Paul's moment. What does blindness represent? I mean, because his eyes are still open, but what does blindness in the scriptures and kind of metaphorically represent? Huh? Okay, but what does the word blind kind of infer? He's, He's lost his perception. His ability to read the terrain has been lost. He's lost his perception. So it's... So it's not just his, it's not just his eyes, but it's the idea that his biases have been challenged, his um, presuppositions have been challenged in his life, and so he's now running blind. What I thought I knew, what I was so sure I knew, what I climbed up on this horse, being confident that I knew so much that I was killing other human beings. I have lost all of that. Um, frightening, um, but it is, a, it is a point sometimes. That's why Jesus makes a statement that it would be better to enter into heaven with no eyes than to have both eyes and to perish in hell. And that's why he says in another place to the Pharisees, you say you see, therefore you will remain blind. And the blind shall see. And what he's talking about is not physical eyes. He's talking about perception. Is that there is a new perception that comes from humility. That comes from that moment of the loss of sight, if we're willing um, to see. So, um, so his confidence to take the next step in his life is shaken. And he has to be led. I don't know when the last time the Apostle Paul had to be led by anybody. Anybody else here a number eight in the Enneagram or a, a D in the disc or a J in the jerk? Um, I mean, any, <laughs> any, anybody take any of those tests? Well, you know, I don't like being led. It's just, just a natural thing. It doesn't mean I'm right. It's just my temperament. I just don't like, maybe it's like eight brothers and getting wedgies and held down mm-hmm. and, and, you know, Slurpees put in my ear and things like that. Mm-hmm. And maybe I just determined I don't want another Slurpee. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anybody know what a Slurpee is? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that a wet willy? Uh, wet willy. Though, those were nice compared to a Slurpee. Oh, wh- wh- a Slurpee is when they hold you down and they don't just, you know, put that in you. They drop a loogie in your oh. ear. Oh, yeah, man. yeah, yeah. Folks, man. Uh, unbound ministry. I need some unbound ministry. <laughs> so after that, I said, I will be led nowhere. <laughs> my ears are mine. <laughs> you shall not defile my ear. <laughs> so, uh, so um, but there are times when, when you have to be led by others, when you really do have to be led by others. And we don't like that. But Paul had to lose his perception. Now, now let me ask you, are you around a group of people that you could trust to lead you if you went blind? Mm. Yeah, that's a good thing to ask yourself. Are you in a church that is a good enough church that if you went blind, meaning that you lost your perception of God, that they would be willing to go and to help you lead you back into the right place? You know, that's why we do small groups. We're not doing them just... You know, I don't get paid more for small groups. Not like I turn my 
you know. Uh, Got eight groups this year. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the IRS says, all right, you know, you get to claim five, and, you know, <laughs> on your W-4, you know, or W-2, whatever it is. And and so, um, but no, it's, it's the idea of allowing yourself to be led when you've lost your perception. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will lead us when we are willing to release our own wisdom, our own perception of how things should happen. You know, I will, when I do counseling, and I will already have it in my head. Let's say Simon and Elizabeth are coming in for marriage counseling. I will just, I, I will size them up. Just, they're sitting in front of us, um, online audience. They're sitting right here, okay? Um, and, and I would, just looking at the two of them, I would say Simon screwed up. Okay, just, just, I would, I, I would just say it. You'd be right. That's what yeah, yeah, yeah. I would just, just looking at them in my own eyes, I would say, that gal can't screw up. I was like, this is the guy. This is it. But you know what? Before they'll come in, I'll pray, God, do not lean to my own understanding. Do not let me lean to, you know, my experiences in marriage or being, or do not let me lean to my own gender. Don't let me lean to my own color or to my age, don't let me lean to that. Those are all manifestations of things that we lean to. I pray that you would give me revelation knowledge to be able to lead in this particular moment. Because right now, God, I don't know what Simon and Elizabeth need, but you, only you need it. Mm -hmm. And um, that takes a little bit of humility. And I don't care if you got a degree in psychology or a psychiatrist or you've been pastoring for 45 years. The moment that you no longer, you think, I got this, you are ready, you're ready to hit the ground. Mm -hmm. I, I, I have a picture of the Apostle Paul. It's a Baroque picture that was done by uh, the artist Peter Rubens. Um, and uh, at the bottom of it, I wrote the notation that the journey uh, of a thousand steps begins with one good dismount. Um, and Paul's laying on his back with his hands up yeah, like that. Course, yeah. And it's really, you can trace back with God that some of those hard experiences like Jacob, you know, remember when he's in that jab forth crossing experience where he wrestled with the angel, you know, and God puts his hip out of joint and from that point he limps. But he remembers that, that when that when that angel touched me and put my joint out of socket, that's when I I was transformed from Jacob the schemer into Israel, a prince with God. Mm -hmm. We all want to avoid that process. I want God in the world too. Um, but you can't. There's, and sometimes uh, getting thrown to the ground is the only way to get the world out of us. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. any any uh, comments online? Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, they out there. They're they're, uh, they're out there. They're, they're hanging do, in there. Yeah, they're, 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 they're doing good. Good people. Good yeah, people. Oh, great people. Oh, the best. The yeah, best. The yeah, best. They are. But um, any more thoughts about this? Anybody? Elizabeth again is our producer, and I've asked yeah. her. Uh, I asked her earlier mm -hmm. to come up with a question, right? So that we wouldn't have a moment of silence like this. Yeah, and uh, we so, have to fill it with small talk. Right, we have to fill yeah. it with small talk yeah. about her. Yeah. So she really is making this all about her, yeah. just because yeah. she didn't want to have a question. <laughs> okay, but maybe wait, I haven't really given her enough time to answer. Yeah. Let me ask again. Hey, is there any questions out there? Oh, it's Elizabeth. Oh, wait. Oh, we didn't see you back there. Simon, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's not, it's not your fault. <laughs> yeah, what you got, Elizabeth? My favorite t-shirt says it's all about him. So. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm just curious who might have had a Damascus moment. And oh, good point, good point. Uh, anybody have a Damascus Road moment when, when you kind of felt like... Uh, this was the turning point. Um, because otherwise, bad events and afflictions and all the things that happen, whether they're accidents or meteorological events, are wasted on us. They are just collisions if we don't learn in them. So, so you, let's ask that question again. Has anybody here ever had an accident, a collision, a loss, uh, or anything? Then then you've all had Damascus moment opportunities. You know, we, we all have had. If, if you've ever been married and are married again, 
and you didn't learn from your first marriage, okay, then, then you wasted your first, you really wasted your first marriage. I, I really, it's, everything's redeemable with God. Everything. Cancer's redeemable with God. Um, bankruptcy's redeemable with God. Um, you know, moral failure. You know, we got people that come to this church that, that you know, I know have cheated on their spouse and, and but yet they, they've been thrown to the ground. They were, had the breath knocked out of them and they answered the question. You ask the question, who are you, Lord? And it's like, well, they, they can't do anything with their lives. They cheated on their spouse. I'm not, well, not at this church. Not at this church. It, I don't care what knocked you to the ground. As long as you get up being willing to be taught and led by the Holy Spirit, then every church in America should be open to you. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no point where, yeah, you're dead to me. You know, mm-hmm. high horse. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so his uh, confidence to take the next step was shaken. But God shook his confidence so that God can control his steps from that point on. Mm-hmm. That's why Paul says, when I am weak, I am strong. You know, he said, I will boast in my weaknesses. I was, I was, you know, I've always read that as, you know, rhetoric, church rhetoric and something you put on the wall, you know, like, as for me, my house will serve the Lord and mm-hmm. they're in there fighting each other, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, everybody gets that little thing from uh, Kirkland's. Kirkland's, Yes, yeah. uh, one of the greatest propagandists of, <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Propaganda. <laughs> no, uh, but, um that that whole idea of uh, I lost it. Oh, you were talking. <laughs> what was I talking about? <laughs> yeah, I'm weak, but I'm strong. Oh it's yeah, the whole, yeah, yeah. Okay, can I just be honest with you? I've always quoted that verse and read Paul. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives within me. In the life I now live, I live by the faith in the Son of God who gave His life for me and died for me. Yeah, I memorize scripture. Get over it. And so, uh, but, but yeah, Stacy's at home going. Uh, but no, uh, I had no idea what that meant as long as I had a saddle of my own making underneath me. And I hate to keep going back to it, and I know you people are sick of it, but if I had not hurt my back, um, but when I hurt my back, dealing with the pain, dealing with the, the loss of what I lost in my life, and um, uh, I had no idea what it meant to say, it is no longer I who lives, but now Christ who lives within me. I had no idea, it was just Christian rhetoric, that I will bowl, I will, you know, boast in my weaknesses. No, I hid my weaknesses. I deplored my weaknesses. I got angry about my weaknesses. And God's like, well, then, you know, uh, if I make you king, Paul, you'll be a tyrant. If you become some big preacher, it'll corrupt you. So uh, I'm, I'm not learning now so that I can become a big preacher. Um, because it's funny, when you get hit to the ground and then others come around you and lead you and you get led by the Spirit, you realize that was a faulty aspiration anyway. And maybe that's, uh, maybe we see Thaw at the end of the story that there is that change of aspiration about it. He's not even sure he'd be a good king. And he says, what does he say to his dad at the end? Everybody rem- anybody remember what, is he, what he says to his dad at the end? Look at Elizabeth. I think she really has the answer there. She wrote it down. Oh, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Let's hear it. He says, um, he tells his father, you are a wise king. Yeah. And then, um, oh, he says, you're a wise king, Thor. And then he, Thor says, there will never be a wise king in you. I have much to learn. I realize that now. One day, I hope to make you proud. Wow. And then his dad says, you've already made me proud. Wow. See, see, okay, so he says, Thor is a wise king. He'll never be as wise as his dad. He'll never be as good a king as his dad. And and the dad, and he says, I'll, you know, and he realizes he has a lot to learn and states that. And isn't it interesting that the dad is not proud when Thor becomes king. He, he becomes proud when he becomes a learner. Mm-hmm. Okay? So if you... 
if you ever just like to hear the words good and faithful servant over your heart, over your life by your heavenly father, then learn then be teachable. Um, because that's what makes the heart of our king proud is when we, we admit we got a lot to learn. And God's like, okay. And then he puts his arm around us and he says, come, let us reason together. And he begins to walk with us. And he says, learn of me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, and the journey begins. Mm-hmm. So maybe uh, the food for thought uh, as we close out is um, maybe if you're like me, you're your own, you're your own best worst enemy. And that um, I don't know what the devil's done to me. And I realize there is one, but the devil hasn't done as much harm to me as I have done to myself in my spiritual journey. Um, let me just say, the Lord has forgiven me for all that, and I am completely confident in that forgiveness. But I realize that God loves me enough to wound me, not destroy me. I, there's a verse that says that he will not break a bruised reed or stomp out a smoldering wick. And, and what, a, what a beautiful poetic thing is. Have you ever seen it when, when a wick is smoldering, you know, and, and it just kind of like it's fire growl, and that you could stomp it down into the wax, but it's like, no, God doesn't want to stomp us down to stuff. He wants us to fall on the rock so that we'll be broken, but we are told in scripture that if the rock falls on us, we will be crushed. And I would rather fall on the rock and be broken than to have it crush me. And so um, I think we, we learn a lot from Thor. Any last moment takeaways from Thor that really touched your heart personally that you, you want to shout out? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so we, it showed about failure and getting back up. Mm-hmm. And, um, what Thor thought he was was really not who he really was when he got started in the beginning. Because he thought he was this all powerful and capable of all this stuff. And he learned that he wasn't yeah. capable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He, he really did. And I, I think we see that in Ephesians where he talks, scripture says that we reign with Christ in the heavenlies, you know, kings and priests unto our God. And then you look at our lives here. So Thor was to become the king. He, it was like his inheritance is, it was the line of progression but he wasn't kingly yet. He was in line, so he was of royalty, but yet he was not living like royalty. I think we might have just had an example of that in, slightly in the, in the White House, mm-hmm. you know, whether you voted for him or not. I think we could all agree that there was a, uh, there was a lack of presidential um, uh, decorum um, in his the way that he presented himself, though he was president, um, I, I think it's also that we need to realize, and I think it works twofold, for those of us who are on, on the ground and broken by life's experience, we need to remember that we are kings and priests to God. And then some of us who have gotten to the place of remembering that we're kings and priests to God, we need to remember that I once was a sinner and I'm only saved by grace. And, and so there's that, always that tricky balance. Mm-hmm. That, um, but we are in that place. We are already seated with Christ, but we are in a journey to understanding what that seat is as we live on this earth. You know, Paul said it this way, walk worthy of the manner with which you are called. Mm-hmm. I called you presidential, so now you will spend the next 60 years of your life learning what it means to be presidential. And... Um, so, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. What a way to end. Yeah. I think yeah. we're uh, we're out of time. We we want to thank everybody for joining us. I don't have a movie for you to watch this weekend because I wanted you to enjoy the Super Bowl. All right. We'll see you next Wednesday.